Hello, you're listening to the Australian Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo and you can find us online at writerscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published and write with confidence. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. Our team is passionate about all things writing and in these podcasts, we'll be talking to best-selling authors on their craft. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Danielle Williams from the Australian Writers' Centre. I'm at the Sydney Writers' Festival and I'm about to have a chat to Hannah Kent. Her debut novel is Burial Rights. Hi, Hannah. Hello. Tell us a bit about the book first. Burial Rights is actually based on a true story. It takes the story of Agnes Magnus Dottir, who was the last person to be executed in Iceland in 1830. So Burial Rights reimagines, I guess, what is the, the last six months of her life after she's been convicted of a brutal murder of two men and sent to be detained in custody in a small isolated farmhouse in the north of Iceland. And the book's, I guess, about her relationships with the people who are forced to look after her, with the priest who is sent to, I guess, try and lead her towards redemption. And it also, of course, goes back to those events that led her to be in the situation that she is. So that's that's about as much as I can say without giving too much away. <laughs> um, why this story? It's quite unique. It's set in Iceland, of all places. What, what appealed to you about this? Iceland, it's funny. I uh, To answer the question, I probably have to take you back about... 10 years. I was an exchange student in Iceland for a year when I was about 17 years old and it was during the first few months of my exchange that I heard this story, mainly because the site of this very famous last execution is really quite close to where I was living in the north of Iceland and I remember asking about you know, this particular site and being told a few bare facts about the crime and really just being, I guess, um, interested by two things. One, I was really frustrated by how little information was available about this particular woman. You know, there was quite a bit of information about the men that were killed and so on, but she was only, when she was present, she was only really ever there as a caricature, and I don't personally believe that anyone is sort of unequivocally evil or monstrous, so this book really began as a desire to find her ambiguity, I guess to find her humanity. And then, you know, four years later and two and a half years of research, this is what happens. (laughs) Actually, it's interesting you mentioned the research because yesterday in a panel you described your approach to this book as research-led creative practice. Can you just explain what that means? That meant, I felt, I think particularly because I was writing a story uh, from a country that wasn't my own um, and also because I didn't necessarily know a great deal about it as I first decided to write this book, I decided that everything in the book would either be fact, so I couldn't just decide to switch events around or put something there that I knew couldn't have happened. Um, and I also decided that in the, in the I guess, the areas where the facts were contradictory and no one really knew, I'd use broader research into Iceland in the 19th century to, I guess, think of the most logical or the most, um, the most likely situation. And it was only in the outright gaps where I couldn't find any information that I would be free to invent. So this is how I felt I could walk that ethical tightrope. Yeah. 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 Um, this is being translated... Uh, to be published in Iceland, I understand. Uh, Were you conscious that this was going to have another audience when you were writing it? No, well, I wrote it as part of a PhD, so I thought it would get me a qualification. I didn't actually think it would be published. I didn't didn't think it was good enough. Um, So this is all a wonderful turn of events and a huge surprise to me. Um, 
But of course, I think whether or not I was going to, you know, write it for publication at the time, I was still very aware of the fact that Icelanders might one day read it. You know, I have Icelandic friends. They knew that I was researching it. And also as a PhD, you know, even a thesis is available in libraries. And I think you always have to make sure that you're, you know, you're ethically sound. You're not going to step on too many toes. But I am actually really interested to see how Icelanders will receive this story because so many elements of the story, I think, as many Icelanders know them, have been subverted. You know, the facts are still there, but I guess the angle or the lens is slightly different. It's a much more empathetic portrayal of this woman. I like to think anyway. Readers might disagree. <laughs> uh, you did just mention that you didn't think it was going to be published. Uh, you actually won a manuscript competition that... Uh, I guess gave you that path to publication. Just tell us about what that's like and how that process helped you in writing this. Well, I wrote the first draft um, of this book in and finished it around May 2011, and then I was sort of sick at the sight of it and put it away. And then it was during a conversation I was having with a colleague of mine who was asking how my writing was going, and I was saying, oh, I can't even think about that. I've got these, you know, 100-word reviews due, you know, in an effort to boost up my resume and things. And she mentioned this Writing Australia Unpublished Manuscript Award and asked me if I was going to enter now that I had an unpublished manuscript. And I said, oh, no, it's I've got a deadline for, a, you know, 20 words review that day and she said look I think there comes a time where you need to prioritise your own work don't tell the editor of that review that it's going to come in late rework your novel because I only had about five days to do this and so that's what I did I cut about 20,000 words and um, and entered the book polished it as much as I could and entered it with about 15 minutes to go uh, from deadline Um, so and that was really I guess an exercise in in I guess editing my own work, I needed the award not so much because I thought I would win it, I certainly didn't think that would happen at all, but I thought this would be a good deadline for me to, to return to it and to do some much needed rewriting. Um, and then of course when I won, that then led to a mentorship with Geraldine Brooks, which was fantastic and helped me again continue shaping the novel and also to an agent. Um, so it really was, a, I mean these sort of awards are so important, they just help you get that, that foot in the door, yeah absolutely. So um, when you were reworking the novel and working with Geraldine, were you also still working on the PhD? Did you have the same kind of pressures that you had when you were entering the manuscript? Well, I still haven't finished my PhD, so it's ongoing pressure, (laughs) particularly now that I have so many other things I need to do. Look, I do hope that I'll one day be able to finish it. I mean, I think probably around the stage of my mentorship with Geraldine Brooks, I started looking at the manuscript in a different light. Before that, it had been very much of a way in which I could creatively demonstrate all the other research I was doing as a, you know, as a PhD student, as a research student. And then from that point on, it started to be more, what will examiners think of this and how can I demonstrate certain modes of representation and all that sort of thing to how will readers respond to it? What's the human story in all of this? It is, um, I guess I started thinking of it for a different audience and that did change certain things, Yeah. So are you planning on writing any more novels? I am, actually. I've signed a contract for one, so I better get my act together and do one, yeah. Um, So my next novel, I'm still at the research stage. Again, I didn't really set out to be a historical novelist, but it seems that that's what's happened. Um, It's going to be, again, based on on some real events that occurred in Ireland, actually, around the same time. So, um, And it was uh, based on a newspaper article I discovered when I was researching this book, and it kind of grabbed me in the same way that this story did. So I think I'll be able to become obsessed with this enough to sort of maintain that level of interest over three years. It sounds like if you keep researching, you're just going to keep coming across more and more 
ideas, I suppose. That's the plan. <laughs> uh, just one final question. Have you got any advice for new writers? Um, my, well, I was a new writer. I still am a new writer. And up until recently, I was very much a new aspiring writer. And um, the thing that's helped me the most has just been reading. You know, I haven't been writing for that long, but I've been reading for a very, very long time. And I think that's made all the difference in my own work. And also persistence, you know. The, you can't wait around for you to for yourself to feel inspired to start writing. You need to treat it as a job. And every knockback you get, and I've had plenty of them, um, you just got to pick yourself back up and keep on with it. That's the only way. Yeah. Yes. Excellent advice. Thank you very much. And good luck with Burial Rights. It's a fantastic book. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the team from the Australian Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online at writerscentre.com.au and discover details about our courses, seminars and popular online learning programs where we help students from all over the world. I'm author of the book Power Stories, the eight stories you must tell to build an epic business. And you can find out more on my personal website, ValerieKoo.com. That's Valerie, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.